To my podcast friends and those listening today, this episode was never scheduled to exist. But for the last three weeks since recording Lisa's episode, I knew I needed to say something. If not for you, then for at the very least, me. In the beginning of the podcast episode entitled, This Is Me, I mentioned that back in the day I had a blog and I loved it. I got to connect from people from all around and we had great conversations and I loved meeting new people. But the thing that I think I loved the most about it was that it was personal but distant. Like I could be totally vulnerable but not have to feel the weight of someone staring back at me and judging me. And if they did judge me, I couldn't see it. The blog is long gone. But now I feel with this podcast and community of people who listen, they do so because they want to. And even if y'all judge me, I don't see it. I started this podcast so we could have hard conversations that will shape us and change us. I guess I underestimated how much I'd have to practice that principle. In episode three of We're Going There, Lisa Turkers spoke very simply and plainly about the complicated topic of forgiveness. This week on Instagram, she posted some great content that I want to share before we dive into this podcast. She wrote, when someone is hurting, please, one, don't ask for details. You can love and help and pray without knowing the full story. Just pray for what you know. Two, don't make assumptions. This will only add to the burden that's already too heavy to bear. And avoid assumptions because they're just another way to fish for facts that still aren't our business. Three, don't offer unsolicited advice. If they haven't invited you to be part of the solution, then inserting ourselves will cause us to become part of the problem. And lastly, number four, don't accuse them of keeping secrets. There's a big difference between keeping secrets and holding some things private. If and when they're ready to share, they will. Thank you, Lisa, for your wisdom. I think I'm ready to share. In the podcast that we just recorded, I shared that while I was fully listening to Lisa in the interview, I was also having a dialogue with myself. At one point in the interview, Lisa said, forgiveness is the only way to sever yourself from the suffering that someone else has caused you. And then it hit me. Forgiveness is the precursor to freedom. For my entire life, I've had this fight for freedom that came from a deep place of my soul. This protective justice side that advocated and fought for victims of human trafficking and the sex slave industry, I didn't know where it came from. But I do know that I grew up with this constant fear of being taken advantage of and never wanting to be a victim. That was rooted in something, but I never knew what that something was. It was until this past May. Before we get to May of 2020, let me take you back to August of 2018. My husband, Matt, and I were about to launch our church, the Father's House, Orange County, and we were so blissfully ignorant and stupidly excited. We knew that God was calling us to start this church and we couldn't wait to see who God was going to bring to be part of this crazy motley crew that we called a family. A month before we launched, we went to Northern California to visit our pastor and some other local church planners to be prayed over and poured into before we opened up our church doors. And it was the last day of our gathering during a worship service. Our pastor came over to us and prayed for us. He was praying that God would bless our church and protect our marriage. And then he paused he placed his hand on my shoulder and he got emotional. He, I remember vividly that he choked up. He started saying that the enemy has been after me since I was a child, but God loves me and he was with me. He was with me then and he was with me now. And as he got emotional, my immediate thought was, this is weird. Nothing happened to me as a kid. Maybe Pastor Dave was thinking of someone else. I passed it off and didn't think twice about it. 
that was until another man whom this time I never knew and had never met told me that the enemy has been after me and after my voice since I was a child. He actually said five years old. The darkness that came over me and stole from me was not from the Lord, he assured me. What was stolen, he said, will be repaid. Again, I left confused and called my twin sister Jasmine a couple days later. I asked her if we had ever been abused or sexually molested or taken advantage of as children, and somehow I didn't remember it. She said that she had no memory of this and thought, like me, that it was all a little bit weird. Fast forward to May of 2020. It was a normal day just like any other, but on this day, I found out that I had been, in fact, abused as a child. The details around what happened were nebulous at best, but as I was listening and piecing pieces of the puzzle together, I slowly felt like I was fading, like almost like I was sinking into water. I was submerged underwater where you could see like reflections or resemblances of faces and hear voices, but you don't know what they're saying. And while this is going on, I'm hearing the words of my pastor and what he said two years before. And in a moment, I remembered something else. I remembered another time. But this time, I was five years old. And I don't remember the details because everything went black. I couldn't remember anything. But I do remember the sounds. And I remember the room. And I remember what was said. Shh, shh, shh. And then it was black. When I worked at the anti-human trafficking organization, during that time, I began to see a counselor. And um, this licensed therapist encouraged me to read the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Since I was working with trauma victims, she figured that this would be a great book to help me understand. And the premise is that even if trauma causes us to forget details or situations, the body keeps the score. In that moment, when the memories began to flood in, I realized that this entire time, my body knew. She was and has been in protection mode since I was five years old. Going back to the moment where I found out what had happened to me as a kid, I knew in that moment I had to leave. I had to stop the conversation because I felt like I was going to break down. I felt like I was going to lose it publicly. Matt and I walked to the car and as we got into the car, that's when I felt free just to lose it. I began to sob uncontrollably and I couldn't even speak. I was wailing in a way that I had never heard volume come out of me. Matt was thoroughly confused and he pulled over to the side of the road and tried calming me down and was asking me questions and all I could do was mutter a few sentences of what I had discovered. I was so confused I couldn't stop crying. Once he had pieced the, the puzzle pieces together himself, we began to drive home once again and music in the car was on and Matt sat in silence as he gave me space to mourn. And I vividly remember the music that was playing in the car was Hillsong's Another in the Fire. This song has been one of my favorites, but in this moment, it was my oxygen. The chorus came on and I let the words just wash over me. They said, there'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the water holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how good you've been to me. I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. My tears turned to worship as we drove down and raced along the highway. I was confused on so much, but I wasn't confused on God's presence being with me. Uh, the days and weeks following were 
they were definitely hard, but I felt like I felt like it was good because I was processing and praying and meeting with my counselor. And I feel like, okay, great, this is done. Perfect. What happened was said and now I'm okay, so let's move on. But like Lisa said in the previous episode, bitterness is a seed planted in the rich soil of forgiveness. I didn't realize it, but a root of bitterness was blossoming in my heart. Over the past six months um, of quarantine and COVID and life, I realized that I was changing. And I'm not talking about like changing because of the pandemic. Like I'm talking about there was a marked difference after I got this news to who I was before. I was lashing out in anger. Um, my fists were always up, ready for a fight. I gained 12 pounds in four months. And I'm not talking about the quarantine 15 because for the first three months of quarantine, I was fine. I mean, I'm still to this day working out five, six days a week. But I realized that I was exhibiting all the traits of an abuse victim. I was trying to gain weight and not be attractive or gaining weight so I can be an intimidating force so that no one can hurt me. I was always ready for a fight because no one's ever going to take advantage of me. And then I listened to what Lisa said in our interview and I realized I haven't completed my healing work. I hadn't exemplified forgiveness. There were two people I needed to forgive. And the first one was myself. I needed to forgive myself for not listening to my body and not believing what I felt. I needed to apologize for hating myself and being vulnerable and weak and unable to protect myself. And I needed to forgive me for brushing past the pain. The second person I needed to forgive was, well, technically is my abuser. This podcast is entitled, We're Going There, so I'll lead the way. And this is my confrontation to my abuser, to the man who tried to shush me into silence. You have no power over me. You might've had it for a moment, but you'll regret it for a lifetime. So I forgive you, but I beg you to repent to God for your abuse before your last breath. Matthew 18, six says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. You cannot hurt me anymore. You tried to keep me quiet, but now you'll hear me yell. What you did in darkness is now brought to light. And what could be for the first time in your life, you're forgiven by someone who you hurt. The reason I'm documenting this is to decree and declare that I forgive my abuser. And if you have some sort of emotional trauma, psychological trauma or physical trauma, I want to encourage you, there is freedom in forgiveness. That forgiveness is the precursor to freedom. Lisa said that forgiveness is both a decision and a process. So today, I'm deciding to be a woman who lives in forgiveness and isn't afraid of the process. Why? Because there'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters holding back the seeds. And should I ever need reminding of how good you've been to me, I'll count the joy come every battle, because I know that's where you'll be.